You're listening to the Crossroads Grace Podcast, a podcast of Crossroads Grace Community Church. To learn more about our gathering times and ways you can get involved, check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org. As we go on, as we begin today, I, I don't know if you've, if you've noticed it, but there is something, kind of a new phenomenon that is in, in our culture. And I'm guessing some of you might have heard of it before, but there might be some people that haven't heard of it. So I just want to level the playing field so everybody's kind of up to speed on what's happening. And, and it really started with the advent of YouTube, uh, which hopefully everybody understands what YouTube is by now. If not, just touch somebody next to you, they will, right? So, so YouTube, right, which allows you to create any content that you want and you create your own channel. I mean, you could read Dr. Seuss stories dressed as Cat in the Hat, eating gray, green eggs and ham, and somebody would watch it, okay? You could roller skate wearing a cat onesie, petting a cat while eating pistachios if you wanted to. You could, anything goes. If, if people will watch it, you can be successful. You can do it. And honestly, people have become wildly successful doing these. They're known as YouTubers. And, and they are some of, they're like crazy wealthy. I'm not even joking, but look, I'll introduce you to a few of them right now. So, so this right here is, is, is Ryan Kaji. Now, Ryan Kaji, here's the deal. He reviews toys. He takes them out of the box. He's nine years old. Last year, he brought in, are you ready? $26 million. He did. $26 million. I know. I'm frustrated too. $26 million. Let me give you another one. This right here uh, is, is uh, I want to make sure I say it right. Uh, I think it's Nastia. But we're going to go, or Nastia. Maybe Nastia. We'll go. I haven't seen it. But she, uh, her and her mom, they do educational videos. And, and guys, it's totally working. She made $18 million in 2019. $18 million. Okay? But the coolest ones, without a doubt, are these dudes right here. These guys are Dude Perfect, okay? Dude Perfect. My son loves Dude Perfect. These guys are crazy. They built an empire doing crazy trick shots, throwing stuff off the top of buildings, landing ping pong balls in toilets. It doesn't matter. People will watch it. In last year alone, they made a little over $20 million. Because these are men and women and boys and girls that, that, that literally affect culture by what they say, what they buy, what they create, what they endorse. They make millions and millions of dollars using their social media platforms to promote themselves and other products. They're literally shaping the culture that is around us. But here's what makes them so interesting. And I think important for our conversation today, you'll, you'll, you'll see in a moment, that all of them, they are all people that exert influence Young, old, male, female, you name it, they are all called, they are exerting influence. That's why they're called social influencers. Social influencers. And, and influence is powerful. The, the definition of influence is this. It says the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something. That's powerful right there. Without question, it's powerful. Now, now you, you may not have your own YouTube channel. That's okay. Uh, you may not be on the Facebook. That, that's okay, too, okay? Uh, and, and you most likely probably don't have a reality TV show, but if you do, I'd love to watch that. But you, you, you need to know something, though. All of us, all of us are influencers. We all are influencers. That's right. 
No matter what you do, who you are, what you make, or anything about you are an influencer. And here's why I can say that confidently with 100% certainty. Because all of us have been influenced. All of us. All of us have been influenced in our life, and that influence has shaped who we are and maybe even what we do. Which means that when we teach our kids, when we lead our teams at work, when we talk with our friends, we are influencing them on, on purpose or by accident by what we've been influenced by. All of us have been influenced in our life, whether we realize it or not. Guys, I'm a pastor because of the influence of my friend, Pastor Tim Harlow, back in Chicago. He had a profound impact on my life. When I moved from South Dakota to Chicagoland and I found this crazy guy's church, I started going and he influenced me by how he preached, how he led, how he talked about God, how he cared for people. So much so that I left my business career and I jumped into ministry with, and I never turned back. So which means that if you get sick and tired of my crummy messages, don't blame me, blame Tim Harlow. It's his fault. I'll give you his email. He'd be happy to not to respond to you. But that, that's what it is, okay? But, but think about it. The places that you eat, where you buy your cars, even the route that you take to get to work probably has been influenced by something or someone. So, so this means this, okay? That, that influence is not an option. It's an opportunity. It, it, it's, it's not an option. It's going to happen. It, it's an opportunity for us. You and I will be influenced by something when the opportunity presents itself. So, so the question is really this. What will we allow ourselves to be influenced by? What, what will it be? And then also, what will you do with the influence that you have? Will it be good or will it be bad? And, and here's why this is important. Because we're in the series that is called Do Good. It, it, it's called Do Good. We are trying to understand that God wants us to do good things in our life. We want to wrestle with that. That as followers of Jesus, we actually should want to do something with our faith after we've been saved. And not that being good is what saves us. No, no, no. But because that we are saved by Jesus, we want to do good. And so we've looked at how we do this by looking at a little book in the Bible called Titus. At the book of Titus. And the verse that we've been using to kind of frame our time together, we've even been trying to memorize that together, is Titus 3.8. So again, at home, I want you to do this here on, in Manteca. I want you to do this. I want you to say this verse out loud with me. Again, let's read this together. Titus 3.8 says, This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. And so in week one, we looked at how we as leaders should do good with the people that are around us. That's what we learned in Titus 1. And we said that to be a leader that loves what is good, we have to be a leader that loves God first. That's where we start. Then week two, last week, we discussed in order to, to do good, we have to discern what is good from what is not good. So we said that discernment is seeing the good through the bad. So if you missed any of those messages at all, it's totally fine. It's okay. Go back onto our website. You can find them all there, or you can get them on our Crossroads Grace app. They're all there. And in, while you're at that app, and what you should also know is that, guys, we are in a campaign in the middle of the series called the Do Good Campaign. The Do Good Campaign. So, so here's what we're doing. 
Through the month of of November, we are trying to complete 10,000 acts of good as a church. That's our goal. That's right. 10,000 acts of good. That's our goal. And the way that we're doing this is is trying to log our good moments. And so if you go to crossroadsgrace.org slash do good, this is the the site that'll pop up. And then what we're asking you to do is to then log your good deeds. Log the good things that you're doing. Small things, big things, anything like that. If you go to the next slide, you'll be able to see what we're talking about here. There'll be kind of some options. You can submit your act of goodness up here, or you can share your story if you want to give us a little bit more. You don't have to tell us anything. It could be anonymous. Please don't think that this is about us. I'm just saying there's a lot of bad in the world. Hey, let's just give it some good to counteract it a little bit. So we're trying to do 10,000 acts of good. But we are crescendoing towards our biggest moment that we're going to be trying to do, and that is starting next week. Everyone say next week. Next week, I heard you at home. I hear you, okay. Next week, we are going to do our $5 challenge. $5 challenge is one of the coolest things that we try to do at least once a year. It's where we give $5 or more, whatever you're comfortable with, but at least $5. You give it to us. We don't keep a dime of it. We give it away. It is going to be one of the biggest challenges we've ever done. The $5 challenge, if you have not done it yet, it is amazing, okay, amazing. Now, this year's We've got a big goal because we want to do big, big, big things. And I'm telling you, you do not want to miss out on being part of this. So I'm going to tell you, our goal for the do good, for the, for the, uh, the $5 challenge, the $5 challenge, check it out. Here we go. We want to raise $15,000 for our next do good challenge or for our $5 challenge, okay? $15,000, we're going to do some, you have no idea what is going to happen with that amount of money, okay? I'm telling you, you are going to be blown away. We want everybody to be part of it. You know, I know it's like, hey, we're in the middle of COVID. I know, let's do some good in the middle of COVID. Let's see what we can do as a church uh, at home here at Manteca. Everybody get involved next week. Be ready, be ready, be ready, $5 challenge. But as part of that, we're in the middle of this do good. We want to tell you how we're doing each week. Let me give you some examples of some things that got done just this week to give you an idea of some things that have happened. Uh, first one was um, uh, someone shared a ball with a friend at school. Yes, that's good. I like that. Uh, how about this? Saw an elderly woman struggling to the gro- to, at the grocery shop and offered to help her shop. Helped her finish her shopping, shopped and talked together, checked out and loaded her groceries into her car. That's awesome. Okay? Prayed over a woman going, going home on hospice care. Made a meal for a friend who lost a baby and spent time holding and hugging and pouring God's love on her. Uh, helped a young mother and her daughter escape an abusive relationship. Like, that's just good stuff. And those are all powerful, but the one that just really stuck out to me was the first one. It said that uh, I did not correct someone when they use your instead of your. No joke. That's even on there, right? So little things, big things, let's do some good. In fact, let's, before we announce our total, I need a little bit of help. Let's get Robbie in the lobby out here with me right now. Robbie, what's up, brother? Yeah, what's up? Let's go. How you doing, Santa? Oh, I'm doing so good. You're looking good in the hat. <laughs> oh, snap. Hey, we've wanted, you know, last week we, uh, we, get, we did a little good last week. We did, um, we did. I, I think we want to see what kind of good happened in the room. What do you say? What do, what do you think? I think last week was good. We can ramp it up. All right, let's ramp it up. All right, so let's, let's ramp it up. Down. Hey, here's what I need. I need a little help. Who has got a good a story that they did good this week? They want to like share. a good Just something one. simple, right? Oh, right there. Come that on. Hand, I see that hand I right mean, there. Come yes, on. I think right there. Right there. Let's. Do you want to stand on your chair so it's ev- stand ev- on the chair, everyone can see you? What is your act? Tell us your name and what you did. I'm Chelsea. Hold on. Hold on. Hang on. Hang on. Hold we on. Got in the mic, my friend. Oh, I'm Chelsea, and um, last week I um, I saw um, a girl. She. Um, 
she lost her lunch for when we were going out to recess. And um, I, I said, um, do you want a pretzel? And she said, thank you. Yeah! She said, thank you. Pretzel good. Pretzel good. Now yeah. we got to know, was the pretzel good? Yeah, yes, it was good. Of course. It was good. I think, I, could she maybe help us with something? What do you think? You know what, Chelsea? I, wait, what's your name again? Chelsea. Chelsea. I, I got it right. Yeah, we, have, we, have, we have a gift for you. Okay. Okay. Can you stand back up again, though? Because on, on the chair. We, gotta we, get we need everyone's again, help, Chelsea. though. Yes. So there's two gifts in there. One's for you. It's some coffee for the family from Starbucks. The <laughs> other, I want you to open that cup up. Okay. Now open it up. Take, take off the lid. There's a little piece of paper in there, okay? I want you to hide this paper so no one can see, okay? Hide that paper right there. Okay, now I need, I need a good drum roll. So everyone get your hands going, hands going. This is the number that home. we raised. Let's go, let's go. Now I want Chelsea you to say it as loud as you can. Louder, louder, louder. come on. Come here on, we go, come here on. We go, here we go. Say that number real loud. You're awesome job, sharing your pretzels. That's how is. easy it is, everybody. <laughs> Just share your pretzels with some people. Love that. You are sweet and you are awesome. And so is your hat. Hey, love you, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so good. That's so good. That's so good. Hey, we got a ways to go, but we got 1742. So let's see what we can do out there. Do some good. Get out there. Get ready. $5 challenge starts this, this next week. So, but this week, this week, we turn our attention to the good that we can do through our influence. We're going to be back in the book of Titus again. So if you have your Bibles or your Crossroads Grace app, this is the time to get those out. Uh, chat hosts, this is the time to put the link in there. So the Bible, uh, the Bible link for this chat will be able to be in there and you can take a look at it. And while you do that, I want you to think, uh, I want you to think about something, okay? Uh, I want you to think, uh, you need to know that, that, that influence in the Bible is actually really, really prevalent. The Bible talks all kinds of things about the effects of good and the bad influences on our life. And, and we can read them all over. The first Corinthians tells us this. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Uh, it also says in Proverbs that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Romans 12, 2 will tell us that do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible talks all about influence. So let's think about this. If influence is everywhere in our world, which we just agreed, and it's important to God, then we need to understand something as Christians. We, we just need to know. We need to understand how important our influence is to those around us. And, and, and we know that this is true in our life, don't we? We, we? we know this. The people that we really remember are not really the ones that give us suggestions on, hey, how to get a better discount at Disneyland or, or where, where the best seats are at at, Giant, at Giants games. No, no, the people we really care about are those that influence our life deeply. People that help us become better parents when we have no idea what we're doing right now. P people that help us navigate through sticky situations at work. People that care enough to tell us things that we don't want to hear, but we need to hear all at the same time. Th those types of people. But hey, let me just tell you something. Here's the deal. All that stuff I just listed, you could get by calling the Dr. Phil show if you really wanted. Right? You, you could get some of that. I mean, the self-help book industry alone is $10 billion annually. There's got to be something good in there, right? There's got to be something in, in good in there. 
And, and if you don't believe in God here today, man, or, or don't believe in Jesus at all, man, thank you so much for being here and being a part of this. And, 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 and here's the deal. You might just be starting to think this to yourself, though. What would I need God for if I could get all this good advice from all this, these other things, all these other places? And so the answer to that is really critical for us as we, if we call ourselves believers in Jesus. Because when it comes to wanting to have influence as a Christian, there has to be a deeper conviction than just being morally good. It has to be deeper than a Dr. Phil quote. And, and that is why the very first verse of the book of Titus chapter 2 is so important. So let's, let's take a look at that. Titus chapter 2, the verse, first verse says, actually says this. It says, you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Now, you, you probably are starting to say to yourself, like, okay, that's really stuffy and super religious there, Pastor B. Like, what are you talking about here? But, but, but Paul actually clears up what he really means by this sound doctrine thing back uh, to his friend Timothy, actually another understudy of his, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11. And he's talking about the doctrine. He says, the doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God. So, so this means that the doctrine that we were just talking about just a minute ago would have, or, or the influence that we have on someone must be aligned with the gospel, meaning aligned with what Jesus taught. This is the starting and the ending for all Christians. And here's why this is really important. Because without a standard to start with, everybody has a different syllabus that they're teaching from. Okay, this is, this is where moral relativism comes in. And if you haven't heard about this, moral relativism is, is that what, what's right for you, we believe that what's right for you is right for you, but what's right for me is right for me. And if you didn't know this, this is what's happening in our culture right now. It's the moral compass our world has, except for the fact that moral relativism collapses under the weight of its own ethic in really short order. Like, it just has to. Because the second, if you believe that what's right for you is right for you and what's right for me is right for me, the second that you get offended by what I say, mad at what I think is right, or attack my point of view about something, you've shown me that your moral ethic supersedes mine. And it demonstrates that moral relativity is impossible. So there has to be an overarching moral guide by which we judge right from wrong, evil from innocent, and good from bad. We just have to. And as Christians, the guide for the way that we live our lives and we judge good from bad is based in Jesus. It's 100% Jesus. It's based on the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus. And it's off of this pure and perfect message of love and grace and forgiveness that we approach those, those that, that around us with the influence that we, that we have. But it's also balanced, understand, it's also balanced, this doctrine of Jesus is balanced with the reverence of God's power, his sovereignty, his will, that he will ultimately judge sin, and we live our lives with that influence around us too. So, so there is a freedom that comes from knowing Jesus, but a seriousness in the urgency and the message of knowing him rightly. It's a very important balance. So, so first we must arm ourselves with an understanding of the power of the gospel on our lives. Like we have to begin with ourselves. After that, then we can see how we can, as, as, as we're called to, by the gospel message, to then influence the lives of people around us. So we have to start inside before we work out. And Paul is surgical. He's surgical in his approach on how we are to influence those that are around us. 
surgical. In fact, let's look closely at verse 2 of, chapter, of Titus chapter 2. He says this. He says, teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and endurance. So, can I just point out something really important here right now? So, so Paul, Paul doesn't choose randomly out of a hat who he starts to kind of address when it comes to influence, okay? He, he starts by addressing men. It's not by chance, it's by choice. Paul says that if we want to start with, with, with anyone, we want to make sure that the ones that will influence the most with the sound doctrine of the gospel, hey, guess what? We need to actually start with the men. And you might start saying things to yourself, well, hang on, hang on, that, that's not fair. What about ladies? They have influence too. And so, hey, listen, before you go too far off the rails or start throwing things at me, okay, listen, just calm down. You're right, okay? Women make a huge difference in our worlds. I'm the product of a very strong woman in my life. My mom raised me. I married a strong woman in Cherie. For crying out loud, my wife and I are trying to raise a strong daughter to be a strong woman of faith too, so I get it. But we cannot ignore that God has asked men to take the lead time and time again in the Bible. It's not to say one is better than the other, but for whatever reason, men have been asked by God from the very beginning of creation to take leadership in this world, a leadership role in this world. And, and I can tell you that so many of the problems, guys, listen, so many of the problems that we see in our world today can be traced back to a lack of positive male leadership and influence in people's lives. Statistics will tell you that anywhere from 25 to, or 23 to 25 million kids will grow up without a father in America. That accounts for somewhere between 25 and 30 percent of all kids in the U.S., and the statistics surrounding the effects of a fatherless home are heartbreaking. There is a staggering increase in teen pregnancy, incarceration, joblessness, and the list goes on and on and on. Guys, listen. The, the absence of fathers is creating an abscess in our culture. It is. It's starting to decay from neglect and infection. And that's not to say anything about our single moms who are busting it every day. In fact, this should make you even more impressed on how amazing they are. They are literally doing the work of two. So y'all are heroes in my book. I'm telling you, you are heroes. And I know that there are great men out there. I know that there are great men out there. But I just need to be, say this very clearly. Men, we need to step up and lead better. We need to lead our homes, our marriages, our, by, in, in our parenting, in our jobs, in our culture. We need to lead and influence well. We can no longer shy away from the responsibility that God has, has called us to. We can no longer do it. And in order to do that, Paul is saying that we need to make sure that we are taking care of our life first before we look to others. Remember, we just talked about it a second ago. So, so again, we are called, he, he's, he, he's called us to do these things. He says, listen, first thing you need to do, work on, hey, you need to be temperate. Now, now, what does temperate mean? It means that you don't fly off the handle. He says, are you living a life that doesn't fly off the handle, but are you level-headed in what you're doing? Like, are, are you, are you, are you clear-minded when you're leading? He, he also says that you also should have respect. You should be respected. So are you the type of man that, 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 that we should listen to? 
by the way that you live your life, by the words that come out of your mouth. He says also, hey, how about self-control? Let's make sure you're your self-control. In our lives, men, are we controlled enough to say no to things? And are we, all, or are we always saying yes to things that we want to do? Like, like, what is it? Are we self-controlled? And then also he says this, so important. He says, are you sound in faith? Man, let me ask you something. Is your faith something that you hold as near to you as your hunting rifles? Is your faith something that you love as much as your political views? Is your faith something that you love more than sex? Be honest. Man, our faith is what drives all the rest of the things that Paul's going to talk about here. Because if we have our faith in Jesus as sound, as our highest priority, guess what? We can't help but be temperate and respectful and self-controlled. Oh, and then also we'll know what true love is and we'll have the endurance not to give up. We won't, we won't give up when things are hard. Man, I spend time with this focusing on you because we need to step up. We need to lead. And for those that are leading well, praise God, keep it up. Don't you dare quit. We need you. Your influence matters. And when you step up, those around you, guess what? They're going to do the very same thing when they see your influence on their life, which is exactly what Paul tells us to do as we look at verses 6 through 8. If you jump down to verses 6 through 8, Paul says, Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Paul is saying that through the influence of Titus and the men that are in the church, the leaders there, they are to impact the next generation of leaders. But notice how he says to do it. It's not through long speeches or chastising them in public. No, Paul says, in everything, set them an example by doing what is good. It's the way we live our lives that will impact the next generation. And yes, that will mean saying something for sure at some point. You have to speak, but it also means that we actually do what we say that we're going to do. And men, can I just be perfectly honest with you here today? I do not get this right a lot, like a whole bunch. Just the other day, I noticed how my son Easton watches me so closely, and he will do things even the way that I react to things. So when I get upset for no stinking reason at all, he, he reacts the very same way. When I get frustrated about something unrelated to him, guess what? He gets frustrated in the exact same way. Why? Because he's watching his dork dad screw it up. So, so men, we need to want others to, to, to watch us so that our influence might be repeated in them to do good. Paul, Paul also doesn't stop there, though. So men, you're first. But then Paul also, he, he calls out the ladies and young women to be influencers. So, so hey, ladies, right? It's your turn. Get it up. Here we go. Verse 3. Ladies, listen up. It says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, and so that no one will malign the word of God. 
Paul is saying, ladies, your impact on the next generation of women is so crucial. Again, it's the way that we live our lives that will demonstrate our heart and our conviction towards God. And I just need to say this to you, ladies. As the daddy of a daughter, I want my baby girl to grow up around strong women of character and integrity and faith. My wife and I need you as much as you might need us because it's your influence by y'all that's going to affect her. It's going to affect her and all the other young ladies that you come in contact with. And and so listen, I'm going to be really upfront with you here today. Ladies, if you say that you love Jesus, if you say that you love Jesus out there, Let me just be really, really honest. The influence our girls do not need is seeing your cleavage after a workout. They they don't need to read your passive-aggressive posts on social media. They don't need you living with your boyfriend before you're married. They don't need you taking so much time to pose your Bible for a picture for Instagram that you never actually read it. And I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm not trying to be a jerk. The reason it is is important is that you are giving our young ladies a skewed version of what it means to be a woman in love with Jesus. You're living a Jesus-ish life, to borrow from last week's message. And that doesn't mean that you wear burlap bag over, you need to churn your own butter and read like National Geographic from 1970s. Like, I'm not what I'm asking you to do. You need to be real. You need to live. But what our young women need is an influence that loves Jesus first and then loves themselves because of him. That doesn't settle for a man just to be in a relationship. That have real goodness to goodness relationships and friendships with people that love their husbands, that love their kids, even when it's really hard. Guys, that is what our girls need. He says, men, influence young men. Women influence young women. When he's not finished. Oh no. Look at verse 9. Verse 9, he says, Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show show that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. So let me be really clear right now. And you at home, you probably are wondering at the same thing. Like, let me clear the air really quickly because I know that when you see or hear the word slave, it triggers things in you and rightfully so. But the slavery Paul was talking about here is not when young men and young women and young children were taken from their homes and forced into labor or or abused. Okay, it's not what it's about. Slavery in Paul's time was referred to as being an indentured servant where you would actually choose to become a slave to pay off a debt that was in your life. But but this is why what Paul says here is so, so, so impressive. He's saying that even if you're in a situation that is undesirable, still do good. Still be influential for Jesus to the people that are around you, no matter what. So how does that translate to us? It means that if you're in a rough marriage right now, keep doing good. If you're in a tough job, keep doing good. If you feel like life is so hard right now that you're not even sure which end is up, it means to keep doing what is good. 
even in the most difficult of situations, choose good. Because where there is good, there is Jesus. Which is why what Paul, how he sums up this thing is so important for us to understand. Look at verses 11 through 14. He says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Paul says, listen to me. When we know Jesus, we should be eager, he says, to do what is good because of the good that Jesus did for us. He is worthy of every ounce of influence that we have to tell other people about him. So we say no to the ungodly so that we can say yes to his glory. Why? Why would we do that? Because if we do, we get to roll around in cash when we do that? Because when we accept Jesus, we're instantly healthy and everything in our life is perfect? Because God is, he's big and mean and, and he's really angry at you and you better do what he says or he's going to smash you? No. God says, I want you to do good because of what I did for you. But Paul says, you should be eager to do good because of what, because Jesus gave himself up. Look what he say? He says that he, he gave himself for us, that he redeemed us. All this was done for us. Jesus gave so we could have. And he did that, not so we could say, hey, Jesus, thanks for that, man. I appreciate the salvation and the forgiveness and all that stuff. Hey, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to keep doing my deal. I'm going to live with my needs and my wants and my desires. But hey, thanks for that get out of hell free card. That's fantastic. No, no, no. He did all of that so we would, do, we would be eager to do what is good. To use our influence for him. Listen to verse 15. Verse 15 says this. Read it again off here. It says, These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. In other words, Paul says, Do good and don't care what other people think. Don't care. I'll give you an example. Let's, let, let me take you back to our social influencers I talked just a little bit. And let me introduce you to one a little bit deeper than I did before. And, and you remember these boys right here? Remember, remember Dude Perfect. My, my boys, Dude Perfect. I, I want you to listen to the type of influence that these guys right here have chosen to have on their, check it, 54.1 million followers on YouTube. This is a direct quote from their website. It's entitled, If I Make This Shot, You Owe Me Lunch Swish. They say, a free sandwich, a simple camera, and 20 I-can-do-better-than-that-better-than-you shots later, Dude Perfect was born. Obviously, when that first ball swished, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into, but we believe that nothing happens by accident, that God's given us this platform for a reason, and that we have an opportunity to make an impact on the lives of countless others all around the globe. Above all else... Our ultimate goal is to glorify Jesus Christ in everything that we do. We want to use this platform for something much bigger than us. 
That's using your influence for good. And I'll tell you this. Those of you online right now, you want to stick around for the end of the, the, the message because at the end, uh, Robbie in the lobby is going to tell you a story about our son adult ministries, our, our special and unique needs ministry you are not going to want to miss about influence. So stick around after we're done. But, but, but listen, guys. These guys, these dude perfect guys, they, they understand the need to use whatever talent, whatever platform they've been given to influence those around them. What, for themselves? No, no, no. They say for Jesus. They have a passion for Jesus. So do you have a passion to use your influence for Jesus? Do you have a drive to do good for Jesus? And I'm telling you, this is so important in the world we live in right now. Because our world is starving for people to do good. It's starving for passionate people that want to make a difference. It's starving for more people like Pastor William Booth the founder of the Salvation Army. Would you listen to what he once said? He says, while women weep as they do now, I'll fight. While little children go hungry as they do now, I'll fight. While men go to prison in and out, in and out as they do now, I'll fight. While there is a drunkard left, while there is a poor lost girl upon the streets, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight. I'll fight to the very end. The world needs more people like this. And why do we need more people like this? Because what Paul says in Titus 2.10, he says, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Our influence is not so that we could be the ones that made to be really look good, to look good. No, we do it so that God, that God will look good. We want our lives to be a reflection of the love of Christ in us, which is attractive to those that are far from him. So if you get nothing else out of today, I want you to write this down. I want you to remember that godly influencers believe the gospel of Jesus is attractive even when life is ugly. That's what it means. And guess what? Life's ugly a lot. Life's hard a lot. And when there seems to be more ugly than good, isn't it amazing when something even remotely attractive comes into your life? Look at that. But then imagine the most attractive, the most glorious, the most the, uh, pristine thing ever, the love of Jesus Christ that pierces through the darkness of this world, how attractive could that look like? I don't have to be, I don't have to be held hostage by my, my sin and my shame anymore. I, I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to have depression. I don't have to feel as though life is over. Like, I, don't, I don't have to feel it. Wait, Jesus, you'll take all that from for me? That's what I want. I don't, I don't want the ugly life anymore. I want the beautiful life that you'll give me. And yes, this life is going to be hard. And yes, it won't be easy. But the next life, the eternal life, the life that Jesus is preparing for us is so beautiful. But guess what? Jesus died on a cross for our sins in our place. And then when he ascended back into heaven, he says, tag, you're it. It's on you. You be the light. You show people. You live your lives. Do good. And don't back down. 
Even when things, things are ugly, you do good. You show the attractive love of Jesus. You do it. What an honor. What an honor it is to be asked by the creator of the universe to say, you creation, love the creation that I have around you. Show them the love of Jesus. And no, we can't do that on our own. We do it by the power of the cross. We do that because Jesus died for our sins in our place, something we can never do ourselves. He defeated death, something never we can do ourselves. He ascended to heaven, something we can never do ourselves. And he did all that to redeem us and to love us and to give us grace, to give us a life, to live to the full. He says, tag your it, go do it. So my friends, the challenge is to me, as much as it is to you, to do good, to influence those around you for Jesus to make the gospel attractive even when life is ugly. For Jesus and Jesus alone. Let me pray as we prepare our hearts for communion. Father God, we, um, we realize that this world that we are in can be very ugly. We realize that there is so much that we should be fearful of or that we should, we should be anxious about or frustrated about. But God, you... You tell us that Jesus has come to to set the captives free. You sent your son to die on a cross for people like you and me. And as we look into the eyes of the Savior of Jesus, despite the pain that he went through, he smiles on us. He says he loves us. He says, here's grace. Here's mercy. Here's forgiveness. Here's the Spirit of God to live in you. And when we embrace that, everything changes. So Father God, help us right now in this moment to remember the beauty of the cross, the attractive gospel, despite the ugliness of this life. Help us to embrace you, to worship you, to let you move. Jesus, it's for you. We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week on the Crossroads Grace podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. If you are interested in getting involved in our community or want to find out more information, visit us online at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Grace podcast. 